Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message today is the gospel lesson, the account given to us by Luke of our Savior's birth. And growing up, one of my favorite parts of the Christmas season, and I think this is true for a lot of people, is the Christmas program, right? When you're in Sunday school, you had to learn your part, you had to learn it well, you practiced it, you had practice in the church. But that was always kind of fun because I had my buddies there and we goofed around a little bit, not too much because Mrs. Mrs. Schaefer wouldn't have that. But um, the, the great thing was the night, Christmas Eve, right? You say your part, you sing the songs, you come out, and what do you get? That big bag of can big bag with peanuts and orange, a big uh, chocolate bar. It was great. So, so I always think about those things this time of year. And, and I was, as I was reading through the text preparation today, I thought about, I think it was my seventh grade year, when I was assigned the part to read the gospel account. And so wanting to do it well, I took it home and I practiced it. But I stumbled over one word, Quirinius. I couldn't get it to come out right. I tried over and over again, and I can remember being so frustrated as to, why is Quirinius even in this text? What does he have to do with the birth of the Savior? Why is Caesar Augustus there anyway? Ever thought about that? Ever considered why Quirinius, well, in the King James, it's Cyrenius, why he is included in the gospel text for Christmas. Why is Caesar Augustus there? What do they have to do with the birth of our Savior? That's what we're going to examine this morning. That's what we're going to ponder. And what we're going to see is they are reminders that what Christmas is about is God intervening into history. And we're going to see that not only does God intervene into history, but he intervenes into our very lives. And so again, when we think about Luke's account of the birth of our Savior, we have to remember what Luke's whole goal was in writing his gospel. At the very beginning of the gospel, he makes clear that he's writing a history. He, he tells us in his text that he was trying to make an orderly account. This is real history. Jesus is an historical figure. He wants to make this clear. This isn't a myth, and the story of his life is not a fable. That these events take place. And so, when he comes to the part where he's going to tell us about Jesus... He includes Caesar Augustus. This gives us a timeline, right? It tells us uh, not only a date, but what's going on in the world at the time that our Lord enters into history. And also Quirinius was part of that. It's, it's a time date. But it's also more than that. It's striking that he said Caesar Augustus, because who is Caesar Augustus? He's the most powerful man in the world at that time, right? At least in the Western world. That, that he made a decree that the whole world should be taxed. And what happens? Everybody goes. Everybody goes back to their hometown. Notice the power that this man has, that, that he seems to be in control. And we also are reminded that he's just a man. And no doubt rules like every other human being, rules for his own self-interest and to preserve his own power. It, it really sets a context, and sets a contrast, if you will, for the coming of our Savior. It's in that context that Luke tells us about Jesus being born. Mary and Joseph coming to Bethlehem and their arrival. And when the time was fulfilled, he is born. And here we have God intervening into history. But it's more than God acting on history. It's more than God doing something in history. It's God becoming part of history. That's what Christmas really is. It's God taking on flesh and becoming part of creation. The one who created the world now becomes part of it. And that's what takes place on Christmas. And this happens, and it is, a global, it is a global event for all people. And he's coming for a reason. He's coming because it's clear that this world needs to be saved. 
And the message of the angels brings this, that, that that is his purpose. That, that a Savior has been born for good news for all people. That, that he has indeed come to bring salvation. And it does set up this contrast again. Here we have Caesar Augustus, and he seems like he's the most powerful man in the world. But God had prophesied several centuries before where the Savior would be born. Who does God use to bring this about? Caesar Augustus and the issue of the decree. Who's really in charge? Who is really the one who's in control of history? Who is the one who's in charge even of our history? It's our Lord. And so as we think about this, we are reminded that indeed the world needed this intervention. The world was lost in sin. You can even see it in Caesar Augustus' reign. Though he was considered one of the better Caesars, he still got to the throne by winning a civil war. He still extended his, his property and territory by force. The world, as we still see even today, is corrupted by sin. We see war. We see devastation. We see death. We see all these things. And we see that God intervenes. And he intervenes into history to bring about life and salvation, to save the world. But he came to do it in an unexpected way. Not like the kings that we know of this world. Not by a sheer will of force, but by sacrifice. The way that he saved the world was by growing up to suffer and to die on a cross. To overcome sin. By dying so that sin would be forgiven and to rise so that that sin would bring, be done with and that life would be offered to all. And so indeed, God intervenes into history. But it's also fascinating as you read Luke's account that God doesn't just intervene into history. He intervenes in the lives of people. He does that with the shepherds, right? Here, the shepherds hear that universal announcement that this Savior has been born for all people. But then the angels make it real for the shepherds, that it's about them. The sign was given. A sign was given to the, to the shepherds. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Isn't that the perfect sign for a shepherd? That you can come and see the Savior. He's lying in a manger, a place where shepherds would be totally comfortable. Wherever there's a manger, shepherds are going to be comfortable, are they not? They're going to feel welcome. And they realized that, that indeed when God said, that it, when the angel said it was for all people, it was for them. And that's why they respond. That's why they go and they look for the child. That's why they see it and, and see it with their own eyes and share the news of what they had seen and heard from the angels. And when they come back, they're changed. They're offering praise and glory to God for all the things that they had seen and heard. And as we celebrate this Christmas Day, as we see God intervene into human history, that this is a historical event, we are reminded that God intervenes in our life. And we need that intervention, do we not? Because it isn't the world that is corrupted by sin. It's, it's us. We're corrupted by sin. If you have any doubt, just think over the last 30 days. Why well, don't you know if you knew 30 days? maybe seven days, or even 24 hours. Think about the things you have done over that time period. Have they always been good? Has it always been proper? Has it always been glorifying God? Think of the things that have come off your lips. Have they always been kind? Have they always been the best construction? Have they been pure? Think about the things that go through your head. Are they pure? Are those things pleasing to God? It doesn't take an examination of our heart and of our mind very long to realize we need intervention. We need an intervention of a Lord that loves us. 
And isn't that what Christmas is about? That the Lord intervened into history and now intervenes in your life. The Lord intervenes today. The Lord is here today. As we gather around word and sacrament, Christ is here. He is here to bless you and to forgive you. He is here to announce to you that you are forgiven. He announces to you that that death that he died, he died for you. That that life, that resurrection that he rose, he rose for you. That life and resurrection is yours. You are forgiven. Those are your things through faith. Through simply believing you have all the benefits of what Christ has come to do for you. And he comes to you individually. And not just the word, but in a moment we're invited to the Lord's table. Can it be more, any more individual than, than the Lord to receive his body and blood on your tongue and in your mouth? And to receive the forgiveness that is connected with that? Is that not God intervening in your life to bring you the fullness of what he did and making it yours? This is the way that the Lord operates. It happened at your baptism and it continues to happen again and again through his word. He continues to intervene in your life. And in so doing, he opens access to him. I think it's fascinating to think uh, at Christmas that the Lord comes down to us and he comes down to us so that now we can come to him. The Lord that comes to you today and announces forgiveness to you is the same Lord that now invites you to come to him, to speak to him, to pray to him. And that's truly an amazing thing if we think about it. The God who is in charge of the universe, the God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, invites you to speak to him. And not only will he hear, but he will answer. That that he who is in charge of everything and control of all things wants to hear your problems, your joys, your sorrows. That, That he loves you so much that he wants to take time to listen and to hear you. You see, the the Lord coming down and intervening is a two-way street. He comes to you in order that you may come to him as well. It's a beautiful thing to have a Lord that intervenes into history, and a Lord that intervenes into our life. And as we conclude, that's what we consider today. We have a Lord that does it. And he intervened into, into history because of his love for creation. He created, he designed it. He loves his creation. The Lord intervenes in your life because he made you. He created you. He designed you. He's given your gifts and your talents. He loves you. And he wants to intervene in your life so that he can save you, to bring you life and his love and forgiveness. You see, and that's ultimately the key and the ultimate goal, to bring life. The, the Christmas story is about life, the life that our Lord gives us and a life that never ends and a life that we have with him forever. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith to life everlasting. Amen.